0: to me my next guest is an honorary professor of economics at Macquarie University, a former staff member of the Reserve Bank of Australia and the director of the Myanmar Development Institute. Sean Turnall is an expert in economics and his expertise in this field led him to work as an economic policy advisor for Myanmar, formerly known as Burma. But in February 2021, Sean was arrested by the Myanmar Junta and was imprisoned for 650 days in that country's most notorious prison. Sean Turnall was just released a book called "An Unlikely Prisoner," describing his terrifying experience in Myanmar and how he survived this horrendous ordeal. I welcome Sean Turnall to the afternoon show. Hello, Sean. Hello, mate. It's a great pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm very happy that you're here with us and been able to speak to us uh, here at Curtin Radio 100.1 FM. Now, Sean, can you explain the circumstances that led to the work to your work as an economic advisor in Myanmar?
1: Yeah, sure, mate. Um, like a lot of academics, you, you specialize in a particular topic. And I was an economist for a long time, but I fell in love with Burma basically. And um, all of my academic career was about writing about its economy, its history, and things like that. And then when Aung San Suu Kyi, the leader of the democracy movement, she won an election in late 2015, I got to know her before then. And she said to me on the day of the election, she said, "Sean." Why don't you put some of that theory into practice and come and help us over here? So I went over to to Myanmar or Burma and was there for the next five years, mate, and then got caught up in the coup that took place in 2021.
0: Now, what what state was the economy in in Burma uh, prior to that uh, uh, democratic election?
1: Oh, dreadful. Um, A reform program had begun, to be fair, but uh, for about six decades the country had been run by the military under a very tight sort of system of state socialism. Um, So it meant that Burma missed out on the whole economic growth story of Southeast Asia. You know, we're we're used to the idea of the Southeast Asian tigers and Taiwan and Thailand and and obviously Japan and all that beforehand. Uh, Burma missed out on all of that. So desperately poor, poorest country in mainland Southeast Asia. So we really needed to try and turn it around.
0: Well, why is it so poor though, um, Sean? I mean, is it because they haven't got the natural resources that are, that, are, that are required for the rest of the world? Or is it there a fair bit of tribalism that's even evident in places like Africa that causes that sort of, uh, those sort of financial issues for the country?
1: Yeah, Burma's a place with many resources, eh? Uh, of all sorts from petrochemicals to rare earths to uh, amongst the most productive agricultural lands in the world. Wow. Uh, so yeah, so definitely not that. Essentially, it's decades of economic mismanagement. just appalling economic policy uh, of the sort we often see in Africa. So it's actually good to bring up that example because I think in many ways, modern Myanmar represents many, con- or similar circumstance to many countries in Africa rather than
0: Asia. Now, even though you arrived at a time when uh, the election would have probably given people a bit of hope that there was going to be a lot of calm, uh, uh, maybe a brighter future than what they had experienced thus far in their lives. So when you arrived in the country, were you aware of the level of unrest and the volatility or the volatile nature of that country's history?
1: Yeah, I was. Um, So always volatile. We always knew that the military were a hair-trigger away. Of coming back in. Um, so so that informed everything, basically, and a week wouldn't go by without rumours of a coup. Um, having said that, though, I, I was probably a little bit complacent, to be honest, towards the end. I, I really thought that uh, we were safe from them running a coup. Were you
0: say complacent funny. or were you say optimistic that you're seeing a, probably a brighter future and going to be part of that wave of, of, of relief in that country?
1: Yeah, probably a bit of both, eh? I think my optimism uh, had probably bred false sense of security as well.
0: And really, where, where's who supplies the, the finance to the militia, or is it just something that they join as a matter of, um, uh, you know, uh, pr- pushing their power onto, uh, you know, um, evoking their power on other people? Is that where it stems from? Yeah. Or, or are they financed by another country, another alternative source?
1: Yeah, good good question. So so the funds they mostly rise, uh, yeah, extract the inside, but it is very much supported by a couple of countries, but particularly Russia and China. So so the only friends the military regime have are those two countries, particularly Russia. Funnily enough, where which doesn't really supply you know Myanmar's generals with much, but but they're sort of birds of a feather if we can put it that way. Uh, China, I think, is beginning to get worried that, that it's the friend of the generals because the the you know probably as most people know are running into all sorts of trouble at the moment. so I think China's beginning to rethink uh, its support for the military there.
0: Now why did they arrest you and did you have any warning that you were at risk or it was it, it, it was it could be possibly happening in, in, in a very short span of time then you and may have had a chance to escape the country or was it just come as a complete surprise when they sort of what do they do come through your front door so to speak?
1: Yeah, so not not as a complete surprise. Um So there were rumours abounding that, that there was going to be a coup. Uh, then the coup took place, and I'm still there, but I still thought I was probably safe. Uh, but then it became apparent that I wouldn't be, so it was time to get out. But of course, February 2021, we're right, still in the middle of COVID, so there were no flights oh, we had, basically, of course. so I was stuck. Yeah. So so I yeah tried to get a, a flight, uh, just didn't work out. So five days after the coup, uh, the military came for me. I got a last-minute warning to get out, uh, but by then it was too late. By the time I got down to the lobby, the military were all there and they took me into custody.
0: Well, where, where could you have gone, though? Could you have run a border somewhere? Or is that where the intention was, or dare I say, jump on a boat and float out as far as you could away from the uh, the, the power of the military or the, the reach yeah. of the military?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, right? mate. Um, the first thought was to get to the embassy, actually to get to the Australian embassy, but, but would've, which would have been a sort of temporary thing, uh, but, yeah, basically to get to the border. So that there were many people in cars dashing to the Thai border, yeah. uh, and I'd hoped to be on one of those. But, um, yeah, all, all a bit late, unfortunately, for me.
0: And so when they arrested you, what was the treatment like initially before you were jailed? Were they, were they rough on you? Were they were they treating you with disrespect? Uh,
1: the first few hours, mate, it was okay. Because I, I, I had the Australian ambassador with me, so they were very careful to do all the rules. I think if she hadn't have been there, I think it would have been quite rough. Because then when I was later taken to this... Police station and then locked in this box for two months. Uh, The the, the treatment was really bad at that point. So, yeah, but but initially they were sort of on their guard given the presence of the Australian ambassador.
0: Yeah, but with a coup, I'm presuming, uh, how can I put this? With with a coup, I I wouldn't be expecting that to give you much leverage. So, I mean,. They've, you know, they've obviously arrested you. They're going to imprison you. Uh, was there, a, was there a, a trial? What was, the, what was their motive for arresting you? I mean, what danger did you, uh, do they feel that you, you posed in the position as an economic advisor to their country?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, mate. So essentially, what it was was that our reforms were really beginning to at last depend upon the uh, the military. So ah. Uh, uh, the military control, everything. So, but, but as we're opening the economy up, the foreign investors to new investors within the country and all that, those old interests were getting squeezed. So, yeah, so, so they pushed back. So, so that was their motivation. Um, I, I did then go on trial with uh, Aung San Suu Kyi and the other ministers. Trial went for over a year, uh, complete farce. Basically, um, yeah. the evidence was often just completely made up. I, I I had people testifying that I'd spoken to them and made all these confessions, uh, and they were people who I'd never seen before. Um, and but, but they were desperate to point out that, or to make the case that that I was a spy. Um, and they accused me very directly of working for MI six, Britain's MI six, not Australia's ASIO. I hasten to add, so I'm not quite sure why that detail was there. Um, but, um, yeah, so they, they tried to pin that on me, but also as a way of getting to Aung San Su Kyi and getting to my Burmese colleagues and so on. So, and that last part was particularly hard to take.
0: At this early stage before, the, you know, you realize you're going to be in turn for a fair period, were you able to communicate with your family? And what was their response like to the circumstances that you were experiencing at that time?
1: So for the first few months, I couldn't, but then finally channels were opened up through the Australian embassy. So I was able to talk to my wife every few weeks. Uh, their reaction rate was one of just extraordinary courage and energy. Um, my wife is just a bundle of energy on any occasion, and uh, she just became this tyro for my release and hassled world leaders well, just everywhere, all of them. Fantastic. Right well done, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so it was a wonderful campaign uh, from yeah, family, friends, all around the world.
0: So apart from your wife's efforts, did you actually feel a great support from the ambassador in Myanmar and, and, and similarly from the federal government here?
1: Yeah, I did, mate, I did. Um, a, a little bit of a slow start in a sense because very hard to know what to do and, and to be, you know, to be fair to all concerned, I think regardless of what had happened, uh, I think things would have run the course that they did because uh, Myanmar's military just don't listen to anyone. You know, they, they, they sure. don't even listen to China now or Asia. Well,
0: that's why they uh, coup in the first place because so they've got no regard for their, any other control apart from what they can impose on other people. Absolutely mate,
1: it's a good point because sometimes I think people point the fingers at you know our own government and things like that but I think basically everyone did the best that they could uh, in my circumstance and yeah it, it was just the, the other side with the problem.
0: Sean I'm very keen to understand this, how did you survive 650 days of incarceration and what were the conditions like at the, is it the insane prison? Yeah,
1: no, I mean, you couldn't get a better name.
0: Oh, no. I must admit, when I was writing these notes down, I I actually had a chuckle about the irony of the name.
1: Yeah. There's so many things in me, mate, you just can't make up. But, um, yeah, conditions were awful, mate. Food was awful. The cell was
0: tiny. Were you sharing a cell with how many prisoners?
1: No, actually, funnily enough, they they wouldn't. The one thing they wouldn't allow to happen was for me to share a cell with any
0: locals. But that's part that's part of your punishment, though, is it the isolation that's factor? Right.
1: Absolutely. So it was isolation, but also they were worried that my ideas from you know Western notions of democracy and blah 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 would spread. So I think they were very interested in keeping a lead on that. Um, but, you yeah, know, conditions are awful. Um, survival strategies, really basic to begin with, just pacing up and down the cell, counting, trying to avoid thinking, I think was really critical. I used to play games, eight, I, I would uh, name all the U.S. presidents, all the Australian prime ministers, all the 50 U.S. states, anything, you know, just to keep active, keep panic at bay. Uh, later, I got books. And books have always, you know, been the dominant things in my life, I would say, and, and now
0: they saved my life. Well, incredible. So mental health, phys- uh, mental fitness, physical fitness. But again, surely there must have been so much anxiety and fear attached to being in prison and being so separated and segregated from any other human um, contact. Surely this must have chipped away at the granite that you obviously have as a personality. Our a character.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it did, mate. And, and I'm a, you know, the, op- and, and hence the title of the book, by the way, I'm the opposite of anyone who would end up in a prison. I'm, yeah. you know, only very small. I'm just over five foot tall and 50 kilos. And, and you know, I'm I'm not a dominant physical, you know, personality yeah. at all. Um, and uh, the idea of me in prison, I think, mean, was the most shocking thing imaginable. Um, yeah, so there was some terrible, terrible moments. But um, I, I guess you you compartmentalize a bit, mate. And, and sure. as as you've been suggesting, you know, the support, which I understood all the way through of people around the world for me, people in Australia, everywhere. Um, I, I was, yeah, I could mostly keep the panic at bay, yeah. But you know, times where it would sort of overcome me and I'd shake the bars and things like that. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I sort of just tried to keep my uh, eyes on the bigger picture, getting back to Australia and all that. Um,
0: and your wife and your family and so forth, of course.
1: That's right. Mate. And, and so very strong motivation to stay healthy for them, um, physically, certainly, but above all mentally. I thought, I can't collapse. I can't be that person um, who, who then comes back to them destroyed or anything. So, yeah, so very strong motivation just to, you know, keep with
0: it. Did you, during your incarceration, did you actually fear that they were going to execute you? And uh, did you actually have moments where you almost lost hope?
1: Yeah, I did, and and I feared not not so much formal execution, although being accused of a spy, of course, you know, can include the death penalty. Well,
0: as i assuming it would be, spe- especially in a
1: place like Myanmar. That, that's right, mate, but, but I feared above all some sort of um, uh, uh, accidental death, if I can put in quotes. Ah, of course, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I always feared something like that. He tripped over while he was cleaning his teeth. Yeah, exactly, mate, and and just to add to it, there were dangers, like literally physical dangers, because the jail was old and broken down and all that, uh, you know, exposed electrical wires everywhere and all sorts of hazards all over the place. So, you know, it really would be possible to, to die of an accident there or illness, and I got COVID five times, but... Oh, far also out. It, you know, it, it could have been a situation where if they'd wanted to bump me off, it, you know, it would have been possible. So I, I did have a few moments where I thought, you know, gosh, I'm really not in a good situation here. I, I yeah. have no one sort of to bear witness. And yeah, so some real anxieties
0: exactly on that front. Tell me about the moment you realised you were going to be released and how did the release come about?
1: Yeah, so it was really sudden. So I had no time to contemplate it or anything. Um, literally one year ago, right now, in fact, almost to the second wow. uh, as we're talking on the radio. Um, well, so,
0: well yeah. I congratulate you on this anniversary. Can I just say that Thank much? You, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So literally a year ago now, and Myanmar is four and a half hours ahead of Australia. Uh, sorry, behind Australia. That mm. so was about exactly this time a year ago. Um, yeah, just very sudden. Uh, uh, in fact, I, I was at probably the low, one of the lowest moments because uh, it really was looking like I was not going to get out before. Uh, like, at the end of 2022, I, I'd spend another Christmas in
0: prison yeah. and all that. Um, so Those they, sort of anniversaries seem to cool. exasperate your circumstance, don't they? Know you're missing another that's birthday or, or wedding anniversary right. or Christmas or Easter or whatever that's significant in your family. Absolutely, mate. So, yeah, so it was all just very sudden. A guard just appeared at the door and said,
1: good news, Sean, you're going home. And my immediate reaction was, look, please, please tell me you're not kidding. Um, and after that, I, I didn't know what to do. It was, you know, the, the thing I'd hoped for for nearly two years was suddenly there, and, and I sort of sat just totally unclear what to do next, um, And until he then said, look, you've got ten minutes, you got to get out. Um, and uh, I thought, okay, well, you know, and I thought about what do I bring home, decided in the end to bring home almost nothing, and just, yeah, just walked out the door.
0: Sean, I can't congratulate you enough to exist through such a terrible experience but more importantly that you've had the bravery to be able to recount this in your book An Unlikely Prisoner and where can uh, our listeners actually get hold of the book can you give us a, a word of advice on that?
1: Yeah, so it should be in all good bookstores, as well as the bad ones, um, <laughs> everywhere, everywhere in <laughs> Australia. Um, it was published by Penguin, so yeah, it should be everywhere, but you can get it on Kindle and audiobook and so on as well. But yeah, it should be in all the bookstores.
0: Yeah, again, I congratulate you in the success of your release and also the way you, your temperament on the phone is just extraordinary. And I, I just, you know, I feel anybody that goes through that sort of... Um, that sort of uh, experience it just it's you know very telling which also means that you know you're a, you're a unique personality to actually get through this and, and come out the other side you know and hopefully life will uh you know pay you back in kind for the for the loss of that time and uh, and the uh, incarceration that you experienced
1: well thank you so much mate and, and big thank you to uh, wa and perth where more Burmese people live in Australia than any other place.
0: It's funny you say that because I went to school with the, the Burmese family, and we were very close for many oh, years. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Abs- and my yeah. and my teachers were Burmese. One of my teachers oh. in primary school were Burmese as well. But, yeah, they're a lovely race of people, which is incredible yes, sure for the fact it. that their their country is so, you know, volatile and, yes. and has such a history of unrest. Sean, wishing you the best. Have a great weekend. Thank and I, I thoroughly pleasure. recommend the listeners out there to get hold of Sean's book, An Unlikely Prisoner. And we thank you again for your time.
1: Thank you so much, mate.
0: All the best.